the Spanish announce table. Okay, Tom, this one should get interesting. The 24-7 title now is around the waist of a pregnant woman in Maria Canellis. What say you, Tom? Oh, I think Mike wins it back by, uh, you know, finally saying something romantic and creating that spark of love that Maria finally sees in him. And then by some shenanigan way, he rolls her up, gets a one, two, three, and then runs off. And then she hates him again. That's how I think this ends. I don't think anyone else gets involved like a Titus O'Neil or a, they had Braun Strowman and her in a segment. I don't think any of that. I think it goes back to Mike. Uh, and then Mike, you know, I, I think the love story will play itself out surrounding the uh, 24-7 title. And then we'll get back to our, uh, you know, part 10 of Drake Maverick, our truth. But yeah, I think it still switches between the two of them. And then a Drake Maverick maybe rolls up. Uh, Mike or an R-Truth rolls up Mike and then we get back to that and then we have those two still, you know, I hate you and then it adds more fuel to the fire, right? Then she could say, not only do I think you're not man enough, you also took my title, right? And then now he's even in the doghouse even more. Yeah. So that's what I think happens. I mean, it does fit how the 24-7 title has been booked, right? It's comedic, it's quick, it's easy, it's zany, it's off the wall. Uh, so sure, and and yeah, it's a great story to tell. Okay, I'm a pregnant woman. What are you gonna? Are you gonna fight me? Are you gonna pin me? Hey, come on out. I have my OBGYN appointment, right? Like, and maybe that's where somebody actually does it, right? Because she can't necessarily get out of the stirrups, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe there's that. You know, um, <laughs> it it was interesting. The plot hole for me, which I wrote about on my uh, raw review on SpanishNounceTable.net, is that she immediately saw Titus and was like, "Oh, you were the first twenty four seven title," which nobody would honestly actually fucking remember that. I don't think Titus actually remembered that. So. I was like, okay, it's hard to fucking get past the scripted parts here, right? Mm -hmm. Like, nobody fucking remembers that he won the first fucking... Everybody knows it is our truth title. So, right. you know, there was that. It kind of turned me off a little bit on that. But other than that, sure. I mean, this makes sense. I just... Uh, I, some stories in WWE, from beginning to end, will always be there strictly for the comedic value. And I understand that, right? They, they don't always have a reason or a purpose that is, like, meaningful, if you follow me. Mm -hmm. And this might be one of those, right? But I honestly don't know how a guy from, like, Mike recovers from this. And I say recovers, not just in, like, a male chauvinistic, like, well, he looks weak to his lady and stuff but like it is he's constantly being bitched out by a person period right and it's one where now, he's not necessarily i don't yeah i mean if you tell the story that he overcomes it great but will they well i will say this right so on the main flagship show of monday night raw mike canellis looks like the goofiest son of a bitch in the last 15 years sure however on 205 live he is having an unsanctioned match match against drake maverick where they're you know going to the outside and getting hardcore quote unquote uh so you know he is doing things there right but not everyone like us are watching every single wwe match uh and so people might not see that but maybe in their eyes that's the that's the trade-off right we'll make you look like a dumbass here on raw 
But on 205 Live, that's where you can get any fun kind of gimmick match you want or any kind of win over a Chad Gable or, uh, you know, Cedric Alexander or whoever the hell it is. Um, and, and you can do that there. I don't know. But it is going to be difficult for him to transition out of this into anything but chasing alongside Mojo Rawley, the next 24-7 champion. Another thought that I had uh, as you were talking about how they, you know, get this off of Maria and then to the next thing, uh, another aspect that they could play into. So again, I think Monday we see a love, a loving, passionate promo from Mike to Maria that just gets her head over heels for him. And then he figures out some type of way to pin her, right? Or, and this may be the more fun thing to actually unite Mike and Maria back together is you may have Maria with Drake Maverick's wife backstage talking da 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 da, and then Drake Maverick's wife is the first one to pin Maria, right? Because that's woman on woman. Who cares? And now you have a new wrinkle in the Drake Maverick story where the person he needs to take the title off of is his actual new bride. Now what does he do, right? He he loves her, but he loves the title. She's the champ. What does he do? That could be interesting. Uh, that's actually the way I would go. But I think the layup is the Mike takes it off of Maria. The Spanish announce table. We were treated this week with a Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast featuring the one and only Terry Balea slash Hulk Hogan. I say that because they've kind of blend in and out of one and the same these days. But... Um, guy was great. Uh, we'll get into this very details, but I think my quick takeaway was they managed to cover so much of Hogan that we haven't heard when I felt like we have heard everything about the Hogan story. I tell you what, man, what a treat for the podcast listeners. Not only do they get two of the greatest in Tim and Tom, but they get two of the greatest in pro wrestling, mm -hmm. Stone Cold Steve Austin and Hulk Hogan talking to each other. And it was really good. I felt like Stone Cold Steve Austin got a, a little long-winded sometimes in his questions. And I think that just comes from not being familiar with each other. Uh, there was obviously some uh, tension, I think. And, and they got to it, right? Like, when Hogan just basically called him out and says, hey, this is still in my crawl. I wanted a match with you. And Stone Cold had to say, like, look, this is what happened. 94, and, like, they took a spot away from me, so I had a grudge against you. Then I got to WWF. Uh, then you come back uh, when it's WWE, and I didn't want you to take my spot there either. So, you know, and I wasn't in a good headspace, so, you know, fuck off. And I thought that was good. It was to get that, you know, they cleared the air a little bit. Uh, but... I thought it was really good. Um, I thought the most interesting uh, aspect was honestly the first part of it uh, where they connected because all pro wrestlers, you know, after they're retired, they kind of had this uh, this brotherhood or sisterhood of injuries. Right. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin's like, right. how are you? And he's like, well, I got two knee replacements. I got two hip replacements. I've had nine back surgeries and it takes me an hour and a half to get out of bed and then fully stand up straight. And Stone Cold wasn't like astonished or dumbfounded by it because, you know, his neck is probably not 100 percent and his knee is obviously not 100 percent. So he could relate. And so I felt like that was 
a great starting point for this amazing podcast because it was something that they could both dig in deep on and relate to. Right. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was a great starting point, even though it was kind of a how you feeling, which is a very open ended question, but they understood what that meant. Um, and yeah, I thought it was really good. It, like you said, there was some topics uh, that were touched on that I really hadn't heard before. You know, uh, one example that stuck out to me um, specifically is how uh, Hogan found out later that apparently he had heat with CM Punk and he, and you know, you're taking everything with a grain of salt here. Right. But from what his point of view was is, Hey, my life's about to fall apart. I'm going through a divorce. My mind is a million miles away from where it is right now. So maybe I'm not looking at everyone I'm passing by. And because I didn't say hi to you, you take that as a slight where I, you know, my whole life might be different tomorrow, you know? And, and so you get to see both sides of the coin, right? Cause you could understand with CM Punk, right? Hulk Hogan, icon of the industry walks around, probably has his chest puffed out, you know, doesn't say hi to you. You might take that, especially having an ego yourself as like, well, fuck that guy. He doesn't want to say hi to me. Well, I don't want to say hi to him and you move on. Right. And, and so it was good to hear little tidbits like that. Um, there was a million other details and I don't want to ruin too much, but that was one detail. Uh, and then off, honestly, I didn't realize how uh, close him and David Schultz were and how David Schultz had the, um, the idea for the first WrestleMania uh, main event. They were right. roommates at one time, I, you know, Dr. Death, uh, David Schultz and, and Hulk Hogan seem like cinnamon and gasoline. So I wouldn't see why they would live together, but they did. That aspect of the of that he brought up that was very relatable to I think anybody that listens to it is that, hey, man, when you've got those like you're worried that your life is crumbling around you and not your like like he's like, OK, I'm a celebrity. I'm doing this. But like your personal life. Right. Like my wife is leaving me. My my kids hate me. That kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You can literally I mean, somebody you talk to every day like Tom, if I was having that stuff going on, you could walk up to me and I could half ass even realize you're there and you'd right. be like, dude, what? Why are you being an asshole right now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, I wouldn't be able to explain it. I wouldn't be able to say it. I just like, nah, nah, nothing. Right. And you'd walk away going like, what a dick. Right. But that's yeah, just it. Like, I mean, we don't know sometimes. Right. Yeah. To, to make this even more personal, there's been plenty of episodes of Spanish announce table where mm. I was going through things and you were even like. Well, that one happened and it was just because like, yeah, oh, my too. mind's not yeah. into the, 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 you know, the match quality of a Dolph Ziggler versus mm-hmm. Seth Rollins. Like I've got other things, you know, I'm worried about now, but this is an obligation and I enjoy doing it, but sometimes you can't fully check out of real life situations. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, obviously, you know, uh, Hogan did hit some of the highlights that you've heard before, right? The Andre kind of stuff, the hero Matt Suda. Um, well, but there was so much more Japan stuff that I hadn't heard, right? And then in his early days, like with the Ganyas, like I hadn't heard some of the finer details of that. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard how Vince Jr. Uh, tells him, hey, come on, let's do this thing and let's make you the thing. And then he gets there and Backlund and Vince Sr. are like, fuck that. And then he's like, You're well, right. fuck you. Yeah. I'm out, right? Like it all could have been for nothing had they exactly. won the day. Like that's just really interesting. Yeah. And I don't want to spoil everything for everybody. But then his. His what caught me about Steve Austin and Hogan is is some of their similar characteristics in they've both understood very clearly that 
they were the main attraction and that they needed to foster that in order to stay that. And they understood that that meant sometimes it's going to look like they're getting it all the time. Right. But their mm-hmm. goal was always like, okay, but if I, it's, it's to keep the story going. Right. It's right. that we can, it's not so much that like I win because I win. It's that if I lose here, the story dies guys. So what do we do? Right. Like, where do we go? What's the next thing? And that's been true. I think in every story we've ever heard from them too. Like they always were looking like, okay, but then what's next? Why? Why did we do this? Which we scream a lot. Like, why are you doing this? What's next? What's the point? And I think those two guys got it on a level that that comes across as being self-serving and and whatnot. But it's just, it's very, I mean, we see this in famous actors and actresses, right? Like, they'll be demanding. Like, they know my character can't, that doesn't make sense. We can't do that. It, that, that wouldn't happen. They wouldn't stand for this, yada, yada, yada. So there was a lot of that. And then there was, like, how in their real lives, Austin pointed out that he heard that for some reason there's beef. So he's like, okay, so before today we've talked before because I just straight up called you and said, Hey man, not true. If that's what you think. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and then Hogan said, he tried to do that with warrior too. Like, dude, I'm sorry. Like now who knows, right? Maybe what warrior says is true. And Hogan's just playing that off. So people think, you know, I don't understand what he's saying, but he did go up to him from what he says and says, Hey man, like, yeah, Sorry. I mean, that you is, know, like, you, yeah, you can see that on the network, Hogan getting off the golf cart and walking up to Hogan and apologizing. And it didn't seem like 100% like everything's done, you know, but it definitely felt like they both put their guard down to say, hey, I might have said some shit that I probably shouldn't have, whether it's true or not. Uh, I apologize and I apologize. And they seem to at least make amends. Maybe not like let's have dinner kind of, you know, friendship, but at least it was, I don't hate that guy like I used to. Right. Um, but going back to your point of, you know, I don't mind losing for, for these guys, uh, perspective, they don't mind losing, but where's the story. One thing that they both mentioned, and it was more Hogan cause it was Hogan being interviewed, but stone cold backed him up on it is, you know, if it's, if we're all getting paid the same, who cares? Right. But the top guy makes the most money And I want to be in that spot. So there was a little bit of that self-preservation because it is a competition, you know, in any type of workforce, right? In getting a promotion in the IT field or getting the the next role in Hollywood, like there is competition and, and in WWE, it's always going. There's never that off season, you know, Monday leads into the next Monday that leads into the next Monday. So you may not be able to just say, I'll lose three weeks in a row because you might not get that momentum back. And like they both stated, they wanted to be the number one person, Uh, but they weren't. I I, I think what they both get mischaracterized is that they didn't like losing, but there's plenty of examples of Triple H beating Stone Cold Steve Austin, Goldberg, Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man beating Hulk Hogan, right? In WCW and WWF. They didn't mind that part. It was the, how do I stay in this, in this realm, right? How do I stay relevant? I don't want to be mid card. IC title in three months. I still want to be in this main event picture. And that can come, come across as, you know, a bit of a dick move, but Hey, you know, it's capitalism, right? We live in America. This is a capitalism society. So, we're here to all try to make the most money. And if that means and quote unquote, protect your spot, well then that's what you do. And so you can't really hate. I don't think 
on someone who says, I want to be the top person. And then when I get to that top spot, I'll work with whoever it is, but I make sure that, you know, I'm still around in this main event picture. The Spanish announce table. Okay, the stowing cold Kevin Owens freight train is at full speed, it seems, right? That's the name I'm going to go with. Stowing cold. Um, I, yeah, I see it. I get what they're going at. I see that he's probably the best guy on the roster to play that relatable every man. I'm fighting the power angle. Am I missing something? Is it not connecting as hard as I think it should be? I think the part for me that I just I'm exhausted with, and it's not Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, I think everything he's doing is awesome. I think uh, it's the heel. I don't fucking care about Shane, right? It needs to be something else. And yeah. unfortunately, I don't think it could be Triple H either. Because they've done that too many times, right? Seth Rollins invaded NXT to call out uh, Triple H for a you know fight. Like who it should they've be. already done that too. You know who it should be? Is it should have hmm. been Roman? They should have kept on the Roman is the fucking guy train when he came over to SmackDown, or they could start rebuilding it again, right? Instead of Shane, it could be Rowan is our fucking guy, right? And we mm-hmm. and book it as a heel, even though you're portraying it as you're trying to make it the face right oh which takes yeah. a lot of subtlety right but then kevin owens does the same speech right like nobody fucking wants this you guys keep shoving this down our face but he sucks right mm-hmm. like go into that because then everyone would be like fuck yes he does beat his ass right and then but, you know we're, then you know what we get hmm. the summer the of punk <laughs> no summer of punk 2.0 right mm. that was the storyline that was uh caught on fire for everyone was John Cena was the standard barrier that we were tired of and exhausted of. And here's this CM Punk that was saying everything that we felt. And he did that pipe bomb promo, which, you know, is going to go down as one of the greatest promos of all time. Uh, That storyline could be told again. You're going to have to say some different ways of doing it, but that storyline can be told. And then now we have Kevin Owens in that role instead of, sporadic maybe you know he was reliable but he also went off script a little bit too uh cm punk maybe that i think that's the character they're trying to tell not stone cold steve austin yes he does kevin owens does the stunner i think they want to bottle up the cm punk summer of punk thing again uh, and not necessarily the stone cold steve austin we're throwing beers every monday night Mm -hmm. more of a Here's a guy who says exactly what the fan, like the the IWC yeah. is saying at every moment. Right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I, I and again, again, Kevin Owens does fit that really well. Oh really yeah, really well. He doesn't look the part, just like CM Punk didn't look the part. He doesn't wrestle and use the traditional body slams like, uh, you know, some of the wrestlers. That's what Kevin Owens does. Uh, he's quick on the mic and has really great one-liners, you know, both of those guys have the same thing. Uh, I think that's what they're going for. Again, it, the only reason I kind of check out is Shane McMahon fucking looks like he's about to have a heart attack when he's walking down to the ring. And I don't want to see him jump every pay-per-view. He doesn't have to jump. You know, Hogan must pose. Shane must jump. That's what it is in 2019. I'm so tired of it. I don't want to see a coast-to-coast yeah. or an elbow 
through a uh, announce table. Whatever. Get out of here, man. That they're going with this is is the problem that they went too long with the Shane McMahon story because now we just wish it would have been done months ago. So right. even though Kevin Owens is here, like I say, if they would have done this when he first came back and was hot on that train when they had to stall it because the Kofi thing caught him by surprise, mm-hmm. had they just done that story then with Shane, they Perfect. could have still kept the Kevin Owens story. It still yep. would have been as on fire as it would have. But now we're just so done with Shane that we're like, okay, finally, great. Yeah, they went with Kevin Owens. But now you miss the mark with the Kevin Owens thing, right? So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, that sucks. And I hope it can still be carried over, right? He can still use that persona. He can still use that character and that angle. I just don't know that it's going to be the explosion that maybe it could have been. But it, it, maybe I'm just even envisioning what it could have been wrong. So, yeah, I'll give him that. I, I still like what he's doing. The Spanish announce table. Okay, we pretty much called this out last week. Charlotte Flair is going to take on Trish Stratus at SummerSlam. It's Toronto. Charlotte Flair has kind of ascended Pat. We've talked about, okay, because they view her as better than everybody else, they want to put her in every title match. So what do we do to maintain this idea that she's better than everyone else but doesn't need to be in every title match? Well, it's this, right? Like, hey, I don't need the title to submit my legacy. I've had nine of those things. Now I need to start knocking off other legacy folks, right? Mm-hmm. So here we are, Trish Stratish. This is easy. I just feel like it was rushed. Like maybe they didn't get the okay and the green light until late. But... That could be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you a little bit, right? It was, you know, in Memphis. So we're going to do Jerry Lawler uh, talk show segment. Mm. And that's great. I, I like that when we're doing the legends, like we yeah. talked about the raw reunion. This is a great way. Instead of it being Ms. TV, it's a legend and hundred percent behind that. But right. then Trish comes out and he just instantly goes into, Hey, do you want to do one more match? Wait, uh-huh. what? Yeah. Like, why was that your first question? Why not? Like, what did you think of? Uh, the evolution pay-per-view do you think there should be another evolution pay-per-view yeah, like didn't there could be some other questions until yeah. charlotte came out right right and then it, it, yeah it just felt very like hey we gotta do this match okay well how are we gonna do it uh just say it just just say the fucking match <laughs> really that's all i gotta do yeah yeah just say it okay and that's what they did um I almost feel like in the women's division, though, this is going to be Rock versus Hogan. Now, obviously, the flashbulbs and the hype and all that won't be to the level of Rock Hogan. But, man, t- tell me a better generational match. I don't think you can beat this, to be honest. True that. What you're not going to get is they thought Hogan was the heel and Rock was the face. And then the turn, and that's what kind of made that Hogan-Rock a special when it arrived, right? Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. well, it's already set up that Trish is the face here. So she's already going to get that pop. So that'll be expected. So that won't be out of the norm, right? Mm-hmm. And we won't have to see, to, to bring back up that specific thing, the Rock Hogan thing, that is a display of Hogan's masterful in-ring capabilities to turn that crowd back against him in short mm-hmm. order. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he had to mm-hmm. change the whole match and and get him back in line and he was able to do that to some extent obviously right like mm-hmm. there was guys like you in the crowd that were never going to turn him that's not going to be an Ever. issue here right like that toronto crowd is going to be behind trish stratus start to finish um and i just don't know again we're we're, we're hitting extra hard on the idea of 
the stories are failing us, right? They're, they're not there. They're not good. There's little attempt to actually make them or to make them palpable. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like this is going to succumb to that also, right? Like, yeah, there will be minimal story to this and there's going to be nothing beyond it. And Charlotte kind of has to win it or else what was the point? But even if she wins it, uh, if we're not, uh, the only thing I could see is if she adopts a bit of the legend killer thing, which will in of, of itself feel a little bit like a retread. So I'm kind of lost on where we go from here. The, the thing that will get me into this storyline, because I, I do think that like generational generationally speaking, these are the two best from their respective sure. generations. I think Charlotte is the absolute best uh, today. And I think even though you had the Lita's and the Ivories and all of those people uh, during that time, Trish was the absolute best of her generation. I would tell this story. There, there's, there's a lot you can do here. I think uh, you have two weeks, so we'll see what they do. But you know, when Trish and Lita had their main event raw match, uh, Charlotte was front row. There's pictures of it. You can see her there. Uh-huh. So you could just you could just tell the story of Charlotte saying, I've studied every move. Uh-huh. I've seen every match. There's nothing you can I do. I never thought we would actually be able to wrestle, but I thought if I ever wrestled you, I would beat you with this, right? Like, or just say, oh. like, you're I'm just gonna old yeller you. I'm mm-hmm. taking you into the backyard. You're irrelevant in this today's yeah. women's evolution. That I could have watched you as a kid should say enough. Right. right. And just don't you ever think you can get into a ring with me. And then Trish can come back and say, you know, you're not the first one to call out my name and just do like a murderer's row and just say jazz Dude, took her out. She doom, can even say doom, you're not doom. even the best wrestler in your family. So why would I be worried about you? Right. Like, yeah. Oh. And, and that's the story you can tell almost you could have little sprinkles of one of the best stories told uh, leading up to a match that I thought was the Shawn Michaels uh, um, Kurt Angle match leading into WrestleMania where they were like Kurt Angle was saying like I was so jealous of everything you did. So now I'm going to do everything you did, but better. Now you only have two weeks, so we're kind of fucked, but you could have Charlotte saying those type of things where, uh, you had a main event on Raw. I've had three. And, you know, boom, 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 boom. And then Trish, her whole uh, rebuttal would just be like, you're the flavor of the month. You know, like what Hogan said to The Rock, but in a babyface way, right? Where didn't you lose at WrestleMania in your big opportunity? I don't remember losing in my big opportunity. Like, that's the things you could say. Now she's lost at WrestleMania. But you know what I'm saying? Just paint that picture of like, you you're just the next one to call my name. And then Charlotte saying everything about I've studied you my entire life and I'm taking you out. That's the story. The Spanish announce table. I might catch some heat for this one. Uh, I usually do. Uh, and this is going to be in a similar vein as your attitude towards the young bucks. Right. But we've talked before and it's a phrase I coined here. Um, about a phenomenon that I like to call nerds that act cool. Okay? Yes. Right. We all know who I'm talking about, right? These nerds who act cool. And the Young Bucks is a prime example of that. But I want to put forth another example that has always been an example I've provided. 
and it will be yet another example again of these same motherfuckers all right okay it is the oc and i'm talking about all goddamn one of them right every damn one of them aj styles carl anderson luke gallows i'm gonna even throw in finn balor if he ever shows up in this nonsense group these guys are nerds that act cool nothing about them is cool like they're nice guys they're not assholes they're not people that are annoying as in uncool but these are nowhere near the cool guys in the room and all they do is act like the cool guys in the room it works okay when aj and the oc are the heels because that makes me want to dislike them but i still get people seeing like flaming behind this like the club and i'm like these guys are fucking dorks what am i missing here well so here's where i think uh, they're a little bit different than the Young Bucks, but not so far off that they're uh, uh, you know, completely different. Okay. I think what plays against them is their age. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're the old guy in the club wearing the Affliction t-shirts and the rhinestone pants because in 2007, when they were in their prime, that's what you wore. And now that they're recently divorced and getting back out on the market, now they go back to what they used to know, right? I think, and I'm not saying they they got divorced. They're obviously all you know happy. I assume all that you know kind of jazz. But what I'm saying is that analogy of the guy getting back out in the game. Now that they're heels, I think they're doing the stuff. That was cool to them when they were the age of Seth Rollins, right? They're all three older than like the majority of the roster. I believe I'm, you know, we don't fact check here, but just appearance wise and the way they act, they're way older than Ricochet. You know, I, I think they all three started wrestling before Ricochet was even out of diapers. So there's that generational gap that doesn't really fit right when, when the Usos and Ricochet uh, and uh, who, who else is a contemporary, you know, hip kind of person, even Roman Reigns has that cool factor to him, right? They are different than the OC. And Finn is a different category. I think Finn is just a general dork. Like, I'm not putting him in there. I'm only addressing the three that are the actual OC. So I think that's my issue is they're the old guys still trying to be cool, right? They're going around asking the girls like, hey, you heard about this MySpace? You're going to get in your top five on MySpace? And they're like, we don't do that anymore, man. You know, <laughs> like right. that's who they are. And, and hey, you know, they're being told to be cool and they're going to what they knew was cool and it's not cool anymore. Um but then they get influenced by the young bucks who are really fucking dorks. And so you get this old man, secondhand, you know, knowledge of what's hip and it's not fucking hip. <laughs> you know, it's not hip. Yeah. I just don't, I'm just not going to see it. I've just kind of resigned myself to that. I'm not going to see it. It's fine well, when they're I, heels because. Yeah. I think they, well, I think they do a little bit better heel when they're the traditional heel right the hey we could beat you anytime any place anywhere all right what about now oh hey 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 we can't do this match now and then they powder out that that version of the heel that they do hits home every time right the beat up john cena it's it's annoying but heels aren't supposed to be necessarily cool that's yeah they talk shit but can't back it up right that's a traditional heel 
yeah, those are those are solid home runs for them. But when they do the like, we're not the we're the only club that matters. We're the OC. Throw it up. It's like, well, that wasn't that didn't really make me hate you, but it also wasn't fucking cool. Here's the problem with that one. Very specifically in WWE in 2019. If I only watched WWE up until 2019, guys, I don't know about any other fucking club except yours to begin with. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you talking about? What club? Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, you are the original club. It was the first shitty one I didn't like in the first place. I don't know about the Bullet Club. I don't know about the Elite, right? Like, in what they've now become. Like, I, I that's, again... That may be on me. You can call me ignorant for that. I mean, I do actually know about those things, right? But if I'm a kid who's been watching for the last nine years and I'm 12, what, I don't know, 15 maybe, I don't know mm-hmm. what the fuck those things are if I've only watched the USA Network. You follow me? Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. So you're losing on that. And again, you can't assume everybody knows what you fucking know to be a thing, right? So that's where I just, I, I don't know. It just comes across as this, like, they really believe their own shit don't stink, right? Which is great for a heel. But I don't feel like they're trying to actually be a heel. And that's what bothers me about it. The Spanish announce table. Tom, I want to take a second and talk about uh, the Spanish announce merch table. If you were unaware, those of you listening, we have a merch table, just like you'd see at every other pro wrestling event. But this one's digital. It's a digital merch table because it's 2019 because we're cool like that. Tom, uh, you sh- care to share them uh, some details about the merch table? Yeah, the merch table has almost any and every desire you could have, uh, right? So we have T-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, flask, mouses, not the animals, but the kind that you what? use uh, in conjunction with a computer. Uh, you have coffee mugs. Uh, I think we're getting hats here soon. I mean, anything that you would want that has Spanish announce table, uh, we will have it for you. Uh, it really helps us out, and it's really cool just being completely transparent. Uh, it's really cool to see online, you know, some of our loyal listeners posting pictures with them wearing the T-shirts. Uh, I've seen those in the past, and I want to see them in the future. Uh, so if you do go to the merch table, get a T-shirt, get a mug, get whatever you want, and then let us know. Let us see it and uh, help support the podcast. Yeah, do that. You go to SpanishAnnounceTable.net. At the top of the page, there's a link that says Merch Table. And Tom's right. Anything you want with the Spanish Announce Table logo. Uh, if it's not on there, let us know by sending us an email to tableshow at gmail.com. And we will find a way to get it on there. And if you want a live mouse, uh, hit me up, man. Maybe we can work something out. The Spanish Announce Table. We got another very cool... I'm going to give it credit. It was cool appearance by the fiend Bray Wyatt. I'm still just struggling with, we haven't been explained a why, why is he going after Finn Balor? Why does he care? And I don't know that we're going to get it before, but I feel like that we should get that. We should get that before the match. Well, in the Firefly Funhouse, uh, the rabbit told us that he was such a big fan of Finn Balor, but the fiend hates Mm. Finn Balor. 
Yeah. And the fiend is wanting to destroy Finn Balor. So maybe that's the reason. Uh, that's not a great reason, but hey, spooky and weird. So maybe we don't always you know, like Jason. We didn't really understand why he killed random sure. people. Like we understand why he went after Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, but we didn't know why he killed the other people. Right. So maybe we have a little of that element with the fiend. So I'm not a hundred percent against that, but yeah, the appearance was fucking cool. Wasn't it just mm-hmm. the slow walk thing? The one thing that I do get a little irritated with, though, and this is just kind of like we, what we talked about with uh, uh, two baby faces or a baby face and a heel just have to tag up. Why is the heel not afraid of the fiend? Right. So Dolph Ziggler was just ready to attack like he's not afraid of the fiend. What if the fiend just goes ape shit and yeah. fucking beats uh, Finn Balor and Dolph yeah, Ziggler? That like, means Dolph understood. Oh, this guy's here, but he's not actually gonna attack him he's just gonna turn around and disappear and then i can be right here in perfect place to hit him with the super kick right well that's not not how dolph would think in real life if he didn't already know that bray wyatt was gonna turn around and disappear right and not even i mean that's a great point but my point was uh dolph ziggler wasn't even afraid of for his own safety right that the fiend wouldn't go after him as well he was just like, nope, I'm going to be ready to kick Finn right in the face. Like, no, dude, this guy is a monster. So not only will he take out Finn because we know that, but your ass might be next. So mm-hmm. you shouldn't be just gung ho for a super kick. That's where we need to do a little bit better. I would have had it. I would have done it where, you know, Finn is doing the looking around, but so is uh, Dolph. Dolph, you know, like, oh shit. Oh shit. Did you see that? And yeah. then Finn like is still yeah, golf realizes it quicker. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like the Finn is still like, he was coming after me. And Dolph realizes like, well, he wasn't coming after me. And now he's gone. So wow. And then he kicks him. Yeah. yeah. That's what, I, that's the little details that they need to get better at, in my opinion. Um, but the Fiend, man, I just, I'm anxious to see what it looks like. This is another SummerSlam yeah. match where Bray Wyatt has a lot riding on it. SummerSlam seems to be his fucking time to shine because if you remember he had the inferno match uh when he first like debuted on the roster uh with kane and then he did the match that was spectacular and he beat daniel bryan after daniel bryan kind of was starting his ascension to the main event picture uh i think this is another you know showcase match for bray wyatt and i hope he kills it here's something that i hope for bray wyatt that i'm not sure that maybe just bray wyatt doesn't have and i've seemingly i've noticed this about myself i have an affinity uh that i will give longer rope in my giving up right to uh multi-generational stars right second generation third generation guys uh for whatever reason maybe it's just the nostalgia of knowing like oh crap that's Kurt Henning's son or irs's son right that like i give these guys a little more chance maybe than the rest because I just feel like, well, they've got to know, right? Like, they've got to understand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been behind this Bray Wyatt character, right? I even liked the Husky Harris. I even liked the tagline, right? The the Ferrari tank, in, or what was it? The uh, the Army tank with the Ferrari engine, right? And I was like, that's not terrible, right? That's actually a pretty decent line. Like, I always just thought there was something here, and there is. The characters have always been a little bit better than the norm from a basic starting point, right? The the promos from a basic starting point had more depth, uh, you know, and then this new incarnation, but I think it's to steal the phrase from Bruce Pritchard. 
God damn, when that bell rings, I don't know that it's there. And maybe that can be taught a little better or more, but I don't know that he's got the captivating storytelling in-ring match in him. And I think that's where his downfall comes. Well, we're going to see. Because like I said, he's had some... Now, that Inferno match sucked, but it was still an Inferno sure. match in the PG era. But his match with Daniel Bryan was match of the night uh, at that WrestleMania, in my yeah. opinion. So he can, he can have matches of the night. Yeah, that's but think what of I'm every most other feud. Of can, They've all just been well, like... Well, now the ah. feud... Now, the again, Lesnar I thing told didn't you, work, right? The... The yeah, Dean Ambrose thing didn't you. work. The... I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of this being the first feud because now we're burying them, and eventually, right before WrestleMania, we're gonna get the demon takes out the fiend. That's what I'm already pissed about. But at least for you know, let's not get down too far the road, uh, too far down the road for SummerSlam, and for peeking behind the curtain, it's been reported that Finn's taking time off, so he should Bray Wyatt should win this match. That's where it's like, yeah, let's tell the fucking debut of the fiend. Woo! That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I just hope there's something to the fiend that we haven't seen with Bray Wyatt. The other thing I would mention though with the fiend, um, I, I I love that he was there for like three seconds, and then the other times that we've seen him in the ring, it was for you know a finisher or you know the mandible claw because Mick can't take a bump, but you know it was for like a a pop and a gone. The the thing that we need to just pump the brakes on a little bit is like WWE.com has a photo shoot with him. Like, no, I don't fucking like, yeah, he wouldn't be photo shooting. He wouldn't right. be doing the fucking photo shoots. So let's not, not do that. There's the other ways to, to display. Yeah. Him, and that's not the way to, do there's it. one thing for me to overlook a bunch of photos and posters where I go, well, wait a minute, that guy posed for that, right? That doesn't make sense. It's one thing for me to look that over. But then when you're on like WWE.com, watch the video of the photo shoot. I'm like, okay, well, I can't look past this. Yeah, right? now, they haven't done that part, but they have done like this whole photo shoot yeah. where it's like he goes from Bray to the Fiend. Nah, cut that shit out. Make it more mystique, right? Like we didn't hear from Undertaker for years and years and years because, you know, it was the Undertaker. Let's go back to those elements with the Fiend. The Spanish announce table. Okay, Tom, you're really behind this guy. You think he could be a big future babyface, pure white meat babyface star. I'm talking about Ricochet. You got to sell me a little more, man. Like, I get it enough to that. Like, yeah, sure. If you're going to tell me white meat babyface, this guy fits the role. But, and maybe it's just because I'm at a point in my life where I'm not going to be like, yay, the white meat babyface. But, like, what I don't get specifically is, like, this this gauntlet match that we set up, right? It starts out with Ray versus, I don't know, who did Ray start out with on this one? Uh, I don't know. You know, whatever. But Uh, Was it with CN? No, because he was the second to last guy, and he beat Ray, right? But you get the idea, right? So we start Mm -hmm. out with two guys. The winner faces the next guy, right? So do we have a tiered ranking system for contenders? Because why was Ricochet last? Why did Rey Mysterio have to go through other guys? Now, there is that. If I'm to believe there's a tiered ranking system, well, Rey's lost a couple matches lately, and Ricochet has lost less. So, okay, that makes sense. But they didn't tell us any of that. So, like, why does Rey have to fight potentially four dudes when Ricochet's only got to be one? I I took it as face value as, yeah, Rey uh, lost this title convincingly to Samoa Joe came back, lost another match to Bobby Lashley 
And so, you know, he's yeah. in it because he's a legend, but he's also not really in it. And so we put him first, right? Just like you put the 16 versus a one in a March Madness yep. tournament. Um, and Ricochet was the last former champion. Uh, so it made sense for him to be, you know, in the spot that he was. Uh, so I just took it that as face value. Now, they could have done better, right? Mm. It would have been... I understand they like the shock value of who's coming out next, right? In the gauntlet match where, uh, if you remember, uh, I think it was last year when Seth Rollins beat Roman Reigns and John Cena, if you would have known that it, it was Roman Reigns and then the next person out was John Cena, that might not have been as surprising, but when he does get the win over, and I don't remember the order, it could have been John Cena, then Roman Reigns, but you get the point. Um, then after he does get a victory over Roman Reigns, and then you see it's, oh my God, now John Cena. You like that. But for a continuity and explaining purposes to an audience who may be new to your product, I think next time, if you're going to do a gauntlet match, which isn't the worst thing, right? Got Kofi over. Um, have a little bit more uh, um, explanation. Say, you know, the five seed is starting off against the four C or whatever it is. And then that's why all these people are coming out when they are. But to explain Ricochet, look, Ray Mysterio got to a world championship in part because of Eddie Guerrero, but also in part because of a six one nine, which was the craziest move at the time. Right. And he also got over, um, the, uh, flippy thing that he does on the ropes, the, you know, the, the hurricane or a pin, uh, and all that stuff. And right now, you know, fast forward to 2019, that 960 or whatever the number is flip that he does from the top rope is probably the most exciting move in WWE, right? I mean, when you say it's up there, it may not sure. be number one, but it's up there, right? So it's the new shiny toy and we need to showcase this when we have a highlight special for, you know, tribute to the troops or what, you know, fill in the blank on special sh show. So this person has to be a part of it. And this isn't the heavyweight championship. This isn't even the intercontinental championship. It's a WCW, you know, legacy title in the United States championship. So might as well put it on this guy. So uh, I think that's why he's in the spot that he is in, right? He can have really exciting matches with the best wrestler in the world and AJ Styles. It's an easy story to tell, right? A, a gang beats up um, the loner, you know, cool kid. Uh, and if you want to get racial, it's the white guys beating up the black guy. You know, you could do that if you wanted to, too. Um, and, and so it's easy to tell. It's easily digestible. You could show that to, you know, your son, my grandma, whoever it is, and they would get it. There's not a lot of wait a minute, I don't know why. Um, so I think that's why he's in the spot that he's in. Very shiny new toy finisher, and it's an easy story to tell with someone who we need on the shows to have that move. The Spanish Announce Table. Another week has gone by, and we watched some wrestling. We're going to talk about that, of course. But uh, what, what other zany, crazy stuff did Tom get into this week? Uh, I did a lot of fun things. It was very movie centric. So uh, this past Thursday night in association with the Truman library and Missouri American film association, I think is what they were called. Uh, they played a special screening of all the president's men, the 1976 uh, winner for best 
uh, movie from the Academy Award, uh, Academy Awards. Um, it stars Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. Really good. It's about Watergate. If you're unfamiliar with Watergate, uh, read a book. It's very uh, timely and informative because uh, obviously you should learn from history so you don't repeat it. <clears throat> but I did that uh, <laughs> alongside Emily. Um, it was uh, it was a very enjoyable experience. Uh, I've read the book, but I never saw the movie. And every time I tried to see the movie, it was always like eight dollars on Amazon and all this other, you know, kind of stuff. And I was like, ah, I don't want to do that. And uh, the tickets were relatively cheap and it went to the Truman Foundation. So it was supporting uh, a nonprofit and I got to see the movie. So uh, it was really good. They had uh, wine and desserts beforehand. Uh, you got to talk to people and just, uh, you know. Connect with strangers, which is cool, right? Face-to-face interaction. It was neat. Uh, but the movie was great. Uh, so did that on Thursday. Um, fast forward to Monday night. I saw the newest Quentin Tarantino film, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, not to give it away. It deals, though, so that you know, uh, with the Manson murders from 1969. Um, very good. I will say this. And I told you this off air. Uh, if you're expecting each scene to mean something and boom, an explosion and that and story and a big one liner and all that, you're going to be disappointed. It's not that film. It's very much of a hangout film. There are scenes that just happen and it's almost like you're a fly on the wall and it was cool. Uh, so expect that it's also two hours and 40 minutes. So, you know, pack a lunch. Luckily we went to the Alamo draft house. So we actually had dinner served to us while we were watching uh, the movie. So that was a plus. Uh, And also it was really funny. I I thought it was probably the funniest Quentin Tarantino film I've seen. Uh, The ending for me was spectacular. I told you this off air, Uh, probably the funniest, most enjoyable ending to a film that I can think of in recent memory. Now, you know, there may be some Sandlot that I've forgotten about, or, you know, one of those movies from my childhood that is actually, you know, hitting pretty good if I watched it again. But in recent memory, the ending to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was fantastic. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, so yeah, it was a lot of movies and um, getting ready. We uh, did some uh, yard work, taking a page from your book, uh, doing that adult stuff, mm-hmm. uh, getting ready because we refinanced the house and now we are putting in a driveway and a garage and a patio in the backyard uh, and then downstairs, I moved my PlayStation and I'm hanging up my Shawn Michaels frame and some other, you know, very valuable pictures uh, down in the basement to make that more of a man cave. Although Emily is definitely allowed. It's not like I'm saying like no girls allowed. This isn't, you know, married with children, uh, but it's going to have my touch uh, on the basement. And so did a lot of that stuff. What about you? Oh, some of that as well, man. Jeez, uh, uh, we're refixing the road uh, that leads, you know, the drive that leads from the actual street to our house, you know, and it's it involves trenching to get some water off and laying new rock down and regrading the road, and it's a mess, right? So I got the neighbor helping with that. Um, we've been doing it's, uh, the boys' soccer is kicking up. In gear, so we've been going to a lot of practices that twice a week. He's got his first two games coming up this week, Sunday and Friday evening. We'll be bouncing around all over the metro for that. 
uh, in his new, you know, league there, his competitive leagues. Uh, we prepared the whole house. Uh, you know, my wife was leaving town for a whole week dealing with her new promotion and new role at work. Uh, hey. So she's gone right now as we speak. Uh, here, single dadding it up. So I figure lock myself in a studio uh, and let them fend for themselves while I do a podcast about pro wrestling, right? Because I'm a good parent, right? Well, it's 2019. Yeah, you you have uh, techniques and methods that evolve with time, and this is obviously the next evolution of great parenting. So, yeah, I applaud you, Tim. Thanks. Uh, and speaking of applause, I heard a lot of that this week, you know, the previous weekend as at the Dustin Kaufman in front of the show, you know, we've talked about this, opened up the comedy club of Kansas City a few months back. And this weekend, the headliner of all headliners was the Andrew Dice Clay. Now, Tom, we're older. You know of Andrew Dice Clay. You might know less of him even than I did, huh? Though, But you knew who he is and kind of what he represents. Yeah. Yeah. So for my age, uh, he was the first comedian that I remember being famous for being a comedian. Okay. I was too young for Eddie Murphy. Uh, and I feel like, and maybe I'm getting my, my timelines mixed up here, but I feel like after Eddie Murphy, then it was Andrew Dice Clay. That's kind of the, the main comedian in pop culture society. And so I remembered the name, but I was too young to understand like why he was funny. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But as I got older, and I am in no way an expert, like a black belt in knowing stand-up comedians, but sure. I do enjoy stand-up comedy. I go to a lot of stand-up comedy shows, and because of that, I know of a lot of uh, stand-up uh, comedians' uh, bits and, and things like that. Right. And uh, so I became f- familiar with him as I got older, and he kind of faded away from the pop culture, uh, you know, 15 minutes of fame kind of thing. But yeah, I definitely know mm. of him, and... I don't know if he's like my top five or anything like that, but I respect what he did. And, you know, he was definitely a, a trailblazer in the raunchy, uh, in your face comedy style, which I will say, you know, happens now. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It's the raunchy in your face. Now he was known for being the dirty comic in the eighties to clue anybody in who doesn't know about him. Right. So that ought to tell you something to start with. Right. And I mean, all you got to do is Google some of the old stuff. I mean, we're talking very graphic descriptions of sexual acts, right? Very heterosexual centric, right? Very, And he's a New York guy, right? Like just the way he talks, walks, the whole like in the boroughs, New Yorker, right? I mean, just got the, I don't want to say sleazy because that has a bad connotation, but that kind of greaser look, right? Mm-hmm. And so my thought was, man, all right. So he is also the very first comedian ever to sell out on two consecutive nights at Madison Square Garden. Right. Um, and that, again, and we've talked about this in pro wrestling. In the New York entertainment scene, there's a it, that that's the mecca, right? And even though it can be a smaller venue compared to some, it can still not sell out if you're not good enough, right? Like people treat that with some sort of reverence, you know? Mm-hmm. And he did oh, it, definitely. He's first comedian to do it on back to back nights. So, I mean, he is in some people's Mount Rushmore for sure. Maybe not in ours. And my thought was, man, it's 2019. This guy's out here rolling out here. Is he going to be able to still do the same act? Right? Like there's no way. Certainly he can get away with it more because, you know, he can do some tongue in cheek stuff and it's grandfathered in. It's who he was, but he has to have tailored that to 2019. Don't you think? Is what my thought you would was. think. Yeah. But I was dead fucking wrong. 
man, was this guy just flooring it. I want to say, without giving away too much of the act, one of his comments was he was talking about, uh, you know, he's talking about, quote unquote, here, banging a Japanese chick. And he said, I never did that even when they first came out with them in the 70s. Right. So, I mean, just just things that you're like, wow, <laughs> like we couldn't start a comedy act and say in 2019 without getting probably thrown out the back door. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, uh, and he's just still there. And I even liken this to almost like a Trump rally, because I think the same crowd was here to see that because of that very phenomenon. Right. Here's somebody saying what you can't say now. And, I mean, they were chanting along with some of the old bits that he redid, right? He's famous for his nursery rhyme bits that you're probably well aware of. Mm-hmm. Hickory uh, dickory dock. Yep. Right. He would end every show with that. And I mean these people would literally, standing room ovation, chant along with those. He wouldn't even have to say them. He would just say the first line, and they would take over from the rest. And it was deafening. Sold out to the max, standing room only every time uh, at this comedy club. So he's still working well. I'll give him that. Not exactly my cup of tea, although we did get, I will say, we have these comment cards, and if there were young kids in the crowd, you could tell their comments were like, who in the hell is this asshole? (laughs) (laughs) One one said, the first two comedians were great, one of those being Dustin Kaufman. He was the MC for the evening. Um, And it said, the first two comedians were great. Last guy was too coked up and on alcohol to even be funny. (laughs) So... There you go, right? There still is the generational gap, uh, very evident, but it was very fun. I mean, he was, you know, he was a bit of a diva, if I'm being honest, uh, you know what I mean? But I didn't have too much personal interaction with the guy, so um, that was that. And then, uh, you know, that was the majority of my weekend, though. I, I still urge anybody to check out the Comedy Club of Kansas City if you're in the area. And then other than that, man, just staying busy being the family man that I am. The Spanish Announce Table. Okay, let's talk about this. Um, Roman Reigns got attacked? He got something pushed over on him, I guess? Look, WWE, I've said forever, needs to get some type of Academy Award or Emmy or Tony or something for the amazing work they do week in, week out. And I still stand by that. But this shit was daytime soap opera B-level movie bullshit. It was so stupid. And then on top of it being stupid with six camera angles and three seconds, how convenient, is then he just walks away and you have these EMTs, which, you know, breaking kayfabe, they're wrestlers, we know. But these EMTs who are wetting themselves because it almost hurt Roman following him like 35 feet away from the incident like what the fuck was that shit the camera angles is what really lost it for me is like wait a minute how do we not know who it was if we had seven different camera angles including from where it was being pushed from i would have at least seen hands yes we would have at least you know charlie caruso would have seen who did this so either someone had to run away right someone had to run away or they pre-rigged this up with some sort of electronics which then, you know who I want it to be? I want it to be Ali. If we can get on that again, I want That'd it to be, cool. be Ali, yeah. right? The whole like wrestling Gandhi bullshit we've been seeing and all the fire. 
fuck it. Let's go. Let's let it be Ali, right? Why not? Because I, I, if it's it's got to be Joe, right? Yeah, Is it Joe? Joe? God yeah, damn Joe. it! And and then yeah, what was the Joe. brawl at the end of Raw? Why did they end both shows with some non thing with Roman? I just I don't know. Now the brawl on Raw. I will say it was cool, right? The the jump from the stage that uh, Cedric Alexander Shh, did. But okay. why was he fucking there? That's what I'm not like. I don't. Oh, what if it's Cedric Alexander? Yeah. Cedric? yeah? Huh? Now that would be cool, right? Right. He Give played me best something friend new. to get close to him. Yeah, yeah. He played best friend to get this close to him, and then he got this close to him to then take him out. Oh, and that's a story that we've heard before, but it could be more fun than Joe. No, Which I love Samoa Joe. Joe, but it's Joe. It's Joe. Uh, yeah, it's Joe. But that was some bullshit, guys. What the fuck was that? I know you're listening. Well, uh, I give you and criticisms, look, and, and I say I can do things better than you, but that fucking thing sucks. I know that we have props, right? Because we're not going to have an actual metal, steel, lighting rig tip over onto Roman. A, it could hurt Roman. Two, those things are fucking expensive. So I know this was a a costume-propped plastic PVC tubing that you spray painted black and then tipped over on them. A, I could see by how it tipped over and the density and the and the speed with which it fell. Like I could tell that was fucking hollow. Um, you know what I mean? And that it didn't hurt him. Like you could have had an actual real one that would have sounded right. And you could have had a dummy or a stunt man under there. Like you guys didn't do anything here to make it look half ass believable. It was totally bad. It looked like we, you and I shot this in my basement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and here's the thing though. We have evidence that they can do this right. Remember when Alistair Black uh, or excuse me, not Alistair Black. Um, no, it was Alistair Black. And NXT got injured, and then they had, like, it could be all these people, right? It was Johnny Gargano walked away, Tommaso Ciampa, the Undisputed Era. Like, that was the other part that missed about this, is shit fell. These two M- EMTs wet themselves following Roman, but no one's looking around, and we don't hear footsteps well, of, fum- of someone running off. Like, Well, yeah, Charlie Caruso, if you go back and watch, too, you can see her react before it starts, right? So she, that leads me to believe either A, she knew this was going to fall on him before it fell, or she saw somebody making it fall before it fell, right? So what is the answer here? Yeah, and that's that's the other thing. Instead of the six camera angles that catches something that didn't end up happening, you could have had two camera angles and then had a camera guy running after someone dressed all in black. We can't really tell who that is. And they're darting off into the, you know, darkness, but at least we see well, someone running off. And like, I that see, was the other thing. I no see, one, no one cared to like, look around. They just wondered about Roman and Roman was like, I'm good. Yeah. And so then everyone yeah. just finger fucked their asshole while we well, just walked. And like, nobody said, Hey, fuck? what was the announcement? Right? Like, yeah, nothing. That's the deal is they keep trying to end these shows different, right? Uh, clearly somebody has gotten to them and like, Hey, it always ends the same way. So mm-hmm. all right, well, we'll end it differently. Well, they keep trying to end it on this. Like, well, we're going to have an announcement or this thing's going to happen. That's not an actual wrestling thing. And it's like, that's not how you would end an actual, I get that the final thing in a wrestling show would be a match and maybe the fallout from it. Like that doesn't bother me that it's always a match and the fallout from it because that's realistic right i would believe that if this was a real fighting organization that we wouldn't have it end on some guy who's not the champions 
fucking announcement. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like I get you're trying to be different and not do the same thing you've done, but you still have to make sense. This doesn't make sense. He was going to come for an announcement. Some mysterious ghost pushed something over on him and we just went, oh shit, well we better not ask him. Like, well, yeah, and it didn't even hit him. That's the other thing, right? It's like, if it would have fell on him, I would get that, right? We don't want to have Charlie put a mic and say, like, so who do you want to wrestle at SummerSlam? Like, hey, he might have broken his wrist, right? (laughs) Right. But nothing happened. He could have just been like, that was some weird shit. Hey, Charlie, so don't know what that was, but I'm I'm challenging Samoa Joe. (laughs) Yeah, or whatever. Like, that, it was just weird. Very weird. The Spanish announce table. Tom, we spent a lot of time telling folks how they can go to our website, SpanishAnnounceTable.net, and use our Amazon affiliate link, how you can use our merch table link, and you can buy something, and you can own something, and then we'll get a cut of it, and thereby you'll be supporting the Spanish announce table. But what about those folks who maybe aren't into material possessions, right? Maybe they're not into consumerism, right? Maybe they just really love this show and they want to support us financially without, you know, having another useless trinket that they don't know what to do with. I've got a solution for them, Tom. And do maybe you? you know what I'm going, but you've heard of this small company called PayPal? I have heard of PayPal. Uh-huh. Yes, so, I do know of PayPal. Yeah, also on SpanishNounceTable.net, we're helping out again, like we helped out Amazon before, this young startup company, mm-hmm. uh, where you can go to our website, SpanishNounceTable.net, and there's a donate button. And you can just use PayPal, you use our email address, tableshow at gmail.com, and you can just donate us whatever you feel like, right? If you want to donate us a dollar, if you want to give us $10, if you want to give us, you know, $20,000, whatever you feel like. You can give to us by using tableshow at gmail.com through this PayPal link. And I think that's a great way to show your philanthropy, show how good of a person you are, and that you support the arts, right? I mean, people will respect you for this, right? Yes, they will. You need to help us, one, financially, because this podcast ain't free, and two, visit a new startup company website, paypal.com. Check it out. Donate to us and let us know your user experience on PayPal uh, in the comment section of your donation. Let us know if they're doing well. We like to keep mm-hmm. tabs on these startups we can like help Amazon them. and Google and PayPal. So, yes, let us know how your user experience was when you donate to Spanish Announce Table. Uh, the other thing that I will say is, as you had mentioned, this is art. And you know what? When you're supporting the art, you're supporting Earth. And you can't spell Earth without art. So I say donate to Spanish Nouns Table and do your deed as a citizen of this world. The Spanish Announce Table. I really like the Orton Kofi angle that they've taken with Orton mentioning that, like, yeah, cool, you're here, you took advantage of your opportunity, and you caught fire, but it wasn't supposed to be there. It's only because I beat the shit out of Ali and everybody was wanting to back somebody and you just filled the role. So good on you for that. But you owe me for that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't have had this had I not beat the shit out of the guy. So what makes you think you're even going to survive this? Like, I like that because it was kind of true. So you're forced to go, Oh shit. Right. Well, but then there's holes in it, too, and that's what's good because he's the heel. Because Kofi can say, yeah, 
But then remember at Elimination Chamber when you were in the match and I also beat you. Mm-hmm. And then remember, you know, there's been times since then that he still beat him. So it's it, the baby face can still and Kofi's a baby face for those not playing along uh, or keeping up. But um, Kofi can still say some things that have some uh, kernels of truth in it as well. So, yeah, I like the storyline. The one thing, though, who I feel bad for the most is Ali, because I know we're talking, you know, specifically Orton and Kofi, but the thing that uh, I came up leaving SmackDown with is when are we going to get over that Ali got hurt and now he's back? Like, fucking cool, man. You got hurt. Someone else took your spot, but now you've been fucking losing. Smackville, you lost. Yeah, you won this match against uh, Nakamura on, on SmackDown, but, like, you've been back a while and you've been losing. So, shut the fuck up. Like, I don't care that at one time you got hurt and Kofi took the spot. Kofi's better than you if we're going kayfabe here. Now, going back to the Randy Orton Kofi thing, um, I like that they played on the stupid thing. They're still leaning into that. That's another thing where it kind of organically happened through a meme um, between the two of them, and then WWE caught on to it. Now they've kind of made it crappy, but it's still not the worst thing in the world. Um It'll be interesting to see what Kofi says back. Kofi needs to do the stupid back to him, right? Needs to, you know, you're not the only one who, uh, you know, is flawless in the ring. And he plays the moment where Kofi said it to Orton in the match. So there there needs to be that clap back from Kofi to make him still look cool, right? That's, that's what I think is the important next step for this feud. The Spanish announce table. Well, it's the big show. Show. That's Tim, did you hear about this? On Netflix, uh, there's going to be a new show called The Big Show Show uh, featuring The Big Show. Uh, Now, the premise is is that uh, it's going to be an American sitcom where Big Show has a teenage daughter move in with him uh, and his wife and then two other children. And it basically is pseudo shoot, but then obviously sitcom based. So he's playing essentially himself. And with that, hilarity ensues. Uh, so it will be on Netflix. Um, I'm not exactly sure uh, when the the date is. Uh, production's going to start soon, but what's your initial thoughts on the big show show? Well, I mean, uh, how this will come across is up in the air for me. I, I, I feel like this will come across as cheesy and easy. Now that said, the majority of sitcom television to me comes across as cheesy and easy. So, huh? Maybe more power to him. Maybe it works. Um, and it sounds like this is based off a legit situation, right? As you were saying. So maybe he had a teenage daughter from another marriage that moved in with him late. And they yeah. thought, hey, let's sell the rights. Maybe they tried to make it a reality show. And somebody said, eh, maybe let's just change the writing and make it a comedy. Um, you know, maybe something like that. But hey, more power to him. I am super happy that there are options like this for these, I don't want to say older guys. Because again, that has a negative connotation. But the... The veterans, right? Who we're like, oh man, Undertaker again. If there was a cool Netflix show that The Undertaker could be doing or a network show to where he's still getting paid, they're still capitalizing off of his image and his likeness and his personality. 
but it's not in my wrestling ring telling my wrestling stories, then great. I might give this a shot. But again, I don't watch a whole lot of like sitcom television, so I'm probably not going to watch this one religiously. But I'm super happy that The Big Show has an opportunity like this. Yeah, to give you some more details, uh, the first season uh, will be 10 episodes. Each episode will be 30 minutes long. Uh, and I, I'm a, I'm not a big fan of this move, but I'm a fan of this move, uh, for a lot of the same reasons you said, you know, I don't want to see big show, uh, uh, and you know, big show and Kane versus Braun Strowman at fill in the blank pay-per-view. Right. So I would rather see big show doing things like this, where he doesn't have to take, uh, these crappy matches that no one really cares about. And he can do something different. He does have experience. Obviously he's done movies, you know, he was uh had a small bit in Waterboy, if you remember that. Mm-hmm. He's also done some WWE films um uh in the past, so he's not unfamiliar with this kind of world. And we've seen older wrestlers make a transition. So who who knows? This could be that transition that gets him into um bigger roles later in his career. Cause I, I believe he's the same age as Batista. Look at Batista right now. Every Guardians of the Galaxy film and doing that new film uh, with uh, Kamel um, where he's a cop. So, you know, it's not unheard of that Big Show could take this and then do something big with it. Uh, So Netflix is a great platform to be on, right? It's not Hulu plus after dark or something like that, where, you know, you're not going to really find it. Uh, So more power to them. And maybe we see the other, aging wrestlers take uh, a nod for big show and Batista and do some other things, right? Transition our truth out of just doing the 24 seven title and have him in a comedy, or you could take Miz once he's kind of ran his course, even though I don't think he's done yet, but you get the point. Uh, so I'm excited to at least check out an episode or two. I think like you, I'll probably check out two episodes and then get back to my regular shows and hope that, you know, it gets picked up for a second season because there he goes, keeps on doing his thing. So we'll see what happens. The Spanish announce table. Okay. We're going to talk about a storyline here that I think has some potential, but I'm worried it's going to go a hard angle that I don't want it to go. And I think what we're going to get is Dolph versus Goldberg with Shawn Michaels and Goldberg's corner. And I don't like that, but it could be Dolph versus Sean and maybe just the, the things that Goldberg are there just to throw jabs at him. But I don't know. Dolph's definitely going with a angle against some old guys, right? Yeah, I think he'll get both matches at separate times. Mm-hmm. I think eventually we'll probably get Dolph versus Goldberg at the next Saudi Arabia show. Uh, Sean and him, I don't know where that'll be, but that's what I think is going to happen. Um, we'll see. I still think that this is going to be, even though I, I feel like they announced at SummerSlam, uh, it's going to be Miz and uh, Dolph against each other. I still think it ends with them as a team, uh, but we shall see. The Spanish announce table. Brock Smash was the theme of Monday Night Raw. And man, did we ever see Brock smash one of the most terrorizing moments for his career in uh, this time period uh, as he just dismantled in a surprise appearance. Uh, Seth Rollins beat him up in the ring, F5 him on a chair, beat him up in the ambulance. What would you think of all this? 
I know we're going to make Raw more edgy, or so they say. And I guess this is a start. If we know every Raw, we might see somebody get the shit kicked out of them. Okay, that's Raw, right? That fits. Mm -hmm. I worry, though, that that can be a crutch, right? I can only know that like somebody's getting the shit kicked out of them, right? I I can only watch somebody get the shit kicked out of them in so many ways so many times, right? Now, am I projecting and imagining something that may happen more often than it actually does, perhaps? So I didn't mind this one, right? I mean, this is Brock, right? We're we're to expect Brock to be, what the fuck are you going to do about it? I'm going to throw you around Mm -hmm. and you cannot stop it. And that's Brock Lesnar in reality. He showed up at your house and was Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to hit you on every wall, you know, like throw you into every wall of your house. Good luck trying to stop it, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, okay. I just still am not getting behind the Seth Rollins sympathy train. And I don't know if that's because Seth Rollins doesn't have that charisma for me to ever want to feel sympathy for him, right? We can look at him and say, the guy's got 12-pack abs, Um, right? He's dating Becky Lynch. He's... A multi-time champion, right? Like, what, what could I ever... If something bad happens to him, great. It's it's the thing you talked about, The Rock, right? Can you be normal for once? Mm-hmm. Can you have something half-ass bad happen to you? Maybe some of that is the reason I'm kind of like, what the fuck beat Seth Rollins up, right? And that's where when he was a heel and being annoying but still being funny, like, that's where maybe it hit for me. But I'm just kind of, that's why this is lost on me. Like, yes, that's cool that Brock Lesnar could toss a human being around and and make it look brutal. But it just didn't hit home with me because, eh, maybe it was this well, I guy. Think, yeah, I think, though, the sympathy. So I think the traditional way of getting sympathy for a baby face needs to be turned up to 11. If this is Spinal Tap, okay. it's a Spinal Tap reference, uh, because... Like, that was brutal, right? That was an F5 outside, an F5 on a chair. Then he gets in the ambulance, and Brock stops the ambulance, takes him out, and F5s him on uh, the the gurney, right? But we've seen that before, too, right? We've seen Braun Strowman, uh, you know, take Roman Reigns and throw him off of the edge while he was in a gurney, too. So... I think they need to, if they're going to want sympathy, because, yeah, The Rock, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, they're all good-looking guys that are going to steal my, you know, fiancé, so I don't fucking feel bad for them if something bad happens. You realize, look at me, look at me, fuck off. You bet you're going to go home with Becky Lynch. I'm going to fucking go home and do support tickets. You know what I mean? Like, fucking sucks over here, so I don't feel really sorry that you have bruised ribs. But what I'm saying is we need to turn this getting sympathy up a little bit and you could do that in different ways. If you want to go destruction, do it differently in this aspect. Remember when Sandman hit and I go to ECW cause that's my, you know, Holy grail. But when Sandman, uh, did the, uh, cane, uh, the caning of Tommy dreamer and Tommy dreamer was just like, yes, sir. May I have another one? And the fucking just brutality and just rawness of what he was getting hit with made you go like, God damn, man, like stop. 
That's what we need to do in right. 2019. Leave me with no option but to say, stop. Right. Stop. So I don't is, care how annoying he is. Stop hitting him. Right. And that's where I think, you know, one thing that I was thinking of that maybe this could have been turned up to 11 is Brock Lesnar. You do this earlier in the show, right? You do this at the top of the uh nine o'clock central time zone. That's what we're, that's where we're in the one true time zone. You do it at the top of nine o'clock and you have Brock Lesnar interrupt the match just like he did. And he beats him up and he's beating 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 him up. And they actually have to go to commercial break. Like people are, you know, trying to stop it. And Brock Lesnar's beating him up and they come back from commercial break. And Brock Lesnar is still punching him in the head to where you're like fuck man like stop hitting him because they're they're what they're doing is still that level of cool right brock lesnar all the stuff that he did on monday just like i led the segment off with was brock smash that wasn't brock terrorizing it was just brock smash it was very braun Strowman-esque. but if you do something to where you're like holy shit he's still hitting him in the head during a commercial break, maybe then we see it a little differently. One aspect that I thought they didn't capitalize on where they could have turned this guy into the next big baby face, but go back a couple years when Brock Lesnar elbowed the fuck out of Randy Orton's head and he just was left in a pool of his own blood. Like we talked about it after it happened. We felt legitimately sorry for Randy Orton. And that's because they turned up the sympathy to 11. And maybe that's what they need to do with this top spot. And right now it's Seth Rollins to get us behind him. Yeah. Make me uncomfortable. Right. If I can make that. And wasn't that right at SummerSlam? I think it was 2016, 2017. Uh I don't remember the year. But when Brock Lesnar just elbowed the fuck out of Randy Orton's head and he was. They they stopped the match. Yeah. Because we thought it was real. We were like. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just not buying anymore and and not to the kids, right? To the nine and 10 year old, that probably still is good. But to the adults who are watching, who is your demographic that you're trying to get back at 10 o'clock at night, right? We're not, I mean, it was cool, but it was cool, right? We didn't, we knew that Seth Rollins was going to be fine. Yeah. So we know that's when he's where, on a gurney and he's strapped in and you swing him right like that he's gonna be okay right the the forces like we know enough but you gotta make me go like geez guys like what again this has got to be raw right Right. like this has got to be wrestling survived off being on the edge right i'm not Mm -hmm. saying go so far that we go whoa 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 but you've got to be on that edge, right? Find that edge. And and they went so far away from it recently that, yes, they are trying to go back to it. And maybe this is what we're getting mm-hmm. to get back there. They obviously can't just flip a switch. We've discussed that before. So, yeah, I'm not going to give this too much shit. But I just don't know that, like, it, it almost made me like Brock more than it did Seth. So Right. But what if, and again, like you said, you can't just flip a switch. But what if... You know, the the backstage attack is you can make smoke and mirrors out of anything. What if the backstage attack drew blood on Seth Rollins? And so the last image you see is a disoriented, you know, eyes crossed, still wanting to fight, 
but he's bleeding from the head and you know his hair is is blood soaked where you can see it through his yeah, you can't know even stand up yeah but you see his blood soaked hair through his you know dark black slipping hair slipping in his own blood to stand up yeah yeah that is you could have done that and then we gone like did he really fuck him up because yeah, it's brock yeah. we don't know he's crazy right uh you know that I just think yeah. that's the thing that needs to happen well, with this babyface character. Yeah, they could have had Paul Heyman act like, "Wait a minute, dude, we didn't say that." You know, like throw in a line that seems like, "Wait a minute, what did he say?" Like throw. Yeah, you know? and he and, and Paul Heyman tried, but again, he was doing the same thing that he's done a million times, where he's just like, "Brock, stop! Brock, stop!" You gotta have have Paul Heyman leave the situation because he's so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That could be another wrinkle that you could put in there where he's like, not just stop, but like, I can't be a part of this. He could have even, yeah. I mean, just throw something out, be like, yo, this isn't what we wrote. You know what I mean? Like just some crazy thing on the way out, you know, like, yeah, right. Just in in a panic. Right. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and then just have them cut to commercial. Right. And then you're like, wait a minute. What? (laughs) Right. Well, and that's very similar to what they did with the um, Corey Graves saying, holy Mm -hmm. shit. Right. Right. Could have been good, and, Could have been. and they've and they've leaned into this in the past. Ronda Rousey saying that pro wrestling scripted, you know, mm-hmm. they've they've leaned into it a couple times. I don't think that's what you should always do, but if you want something to get, you know, for a SummerSlam type match or a WrestleMania type match, yeah, maybe that line or some well, blood so or something like that happens. You you have the blood, you have him sent up, you have Paul even say that, you cut to commercial, and then you kind of don't address it. Right, you half-ass be like, we'll get you more updates on on the Seth and Brock situation later. Uh, for now, we need to focus on right, right. Make it seem like they are trying to avoid it, and don't mention it till next week. Then all week we're going, hey, what the fuck did that really happen? You know, mm-hmm. like we oh, got to tune then, in. Yeah, and then you could even yeah, in 2019 you could have a lot of fun with it too, right? Get someone, you know, give them a thousand dollars or whatever some wrestling sheet.org slash inside news and have them report like uh seth rollins is still disoriented uh refuses to go to a med- medical facility roman reigns tries to confront brock lesnar backstage you know you could add that stuff and that's what buys us in a, a, a thing from www.com well, yeah, that says, melts her to lie right like yeah or just already. someone yeah you know you just <laughs> In 2019, when the official WWE uh, Twitter account says Seth Rollins doesn't want his medical condition to be released, we're like, yeah, we know. Cool. Uh That's there. But if you say like some dirt sheet is saying that, you know, uh, Becky Lynch is trying to talk to Paul Heyman about what happened in that segment. Now we're into it. Right. And now we're sympathetic towards Seth. That's what I'm saying. The Spanish announce table. We don't want to make light of these situations, and we don't want to also glorify them in news, and we typically take a stance of this is sad and people need help. But Jimmy Uso was arrested again for driving under the influence near Pensacola, Florida. Um, he's booked into a county jail, a $1,000 bond. Uh, word is here from the reports he refused EUI tests, cited for speeding, uh, was bonded out of jail, uh, due for court in mid-August. Um, some reports came out saying that a deputy was dispatched to the area around 1.30 uh, to a possible DUI complaint. Um, he was advised by an off-duty police officer that a vehicle was traveling 
uh, doing excess of 100 miles per hour and drifting from left to right and going out of its lane and almost hitting uh, cars. Uh, they managed to pull him over at random, you know, do the whole deals, you know. Uh, and WWE comes out with their statement that they've been doing lately. You know, usually they would give lip service to the, you know, we'll do whatever, blah, blah, blah. But now they've kind of taken a hands-off approach and they've said, quote, Jonathan Fatu is responsible for his own personal actions, end quote. They said this kind of the last time it came out, and same thing with Jeff Hardy, which, yeah, yes, but we also, I think, in society have begun to start looking at other people too like, okay, but you're around this person every day, and you're seeing this, and you're not, are we doing anything? You know what I mean? Like, are you, like this is multiple times now this guy's almost killing somebody here, right? Like, are is WWE in any way, like, being that your friends and family are here, seeing you every day in your work, are, are is there... What what is the gray area here of who's can we not shame in any aspect? You get what I'm saying? Getting at here? Yeah, I think it's so. I I've always had a weird uh, stance with an employer trying to get in the morality business, right? Like yeah. I don't like it when pro sports franchises or teams, you know, try to pass judgment when hey, we're cheating. Uh, we're Chiefs fans, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, just even right. more so. I mean, going back to Adrian Peterson disciplining his child, uh-huh. uh, which, you know, he wasn't charged for a crime. If, Tyree if Kill. Serves me correct. That's kind of why I brought yeah. that up. Yeah. Tyree Kill. Yeah, same thing. And in this, like, this is a little different because there was a DUI, right? Mm-hmm. This wasn't uh, this ambiguous. Multiple. Like, well, did he do it? Did he not? No, no we 100% know he did it, right? Mm-hmm. But to... I, I just feel weird. Like if I got a DUI, I don't know if I would get fired on Monday from my job. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, sure. If, if yeah, I show yeah. up, if I right. show up Monday through Friday and I'm doing my job and doing it well, and in his case, doing it better mm-hmm. than most, yeah. then like your employer should just, and no uncertain terms, fuck off. Like I'm here. You're paying me we have an agreement i provide my services you give me a check don't worry about all that stuff behind me now saying that this is a little different because his wife is also an employee you know a co-worker his brother is also a co-worker so i think there needs to be something more than just hey he's responsible for his own actions That's on top of that at, right like, yeah yeah So I I, I do think that this is a more unique situation than the NFL or my employer or your employer because there's such a tight knit interwoven, you know, that's my cousin over there and I tag with my brother and then some nights my wife walks me uh, to the ring. Like there's a little bit more than just cut and dry work and personal life. Uh, So we'll see what WWE does. I think that stance is just the, hey, we're not getting in the morality business as much anymore. Here's a transition out of more standard procedure going forward. I do think, you know, behind the scenes, there's probably conversations. Maybe there's the talk of we'll get you out of this program, you know, in the next month. And then you take some time off to get right. The other thing I think of with this is I struggle so much with celebrities and getting DUIs because I want to be considerate because I would understand to a certain extent not getting a taxi right as a celebrity or or an Uber whatever you want to say whatever city you're in right 
Because I understand one aspect of I'm a celebrity. Now I'm noticed by my driver. And one, if I'm sober, I'm getting a million questions of like, what's John Cena like? Oh, my God. Is Roman Reigns really your cousin? And you don't want to hear that. Right. You're you're partying. You want to go home. And he might be on top of that. Right. On top of that, though, you know, if you're shit faced and you can't open up your eyes, you don't know if this driver is now taking compromising pictures of you. And then the next day, hey, you didn't get a DUI, but, you know, maybe you puked on your shirt and that's posted on Twitter. Right. Right. So I understand that. But but at the end of the day. Like you have to be responsible for your own actions. So you just have to factor in because, you know, they have the money to this extent, but you have to factor in the $40 or whatever it is in your drinking bill. Like I'm going out tonight, I'm spending 40 on an Uber and then I'm getting blacked out from there or whatever you're choosing to do. Yeah. Well, and I know that like the two of them, you know, and in the three of them specifically, I'm going to say the, you know, the, the Usos themselves and then Naomi, uh, we know they travel together. Like we know that's a thing for the most part, obviously town to town, they may do some offshoots here and there, but, um, that's it too. Right. Is there not like, again, I don't know you guys personal life. And there have been many times where I should have, could have wound up with a DUI, right? Like, absolutely oh, for so me, I don't want to yeah pass millions of times yeah. don't want to pass judgments um but at some point like this kind of goes back to some of the john oliver stuff here is what we're talking about like kind of what you're getting at because of what they do they are famous so they do have some of these worries that we don't have of, we'll just get an uber you got the money sure but it's not just about the money there's also the it might not just be to the hotel room it might be to omaha from kansas city there's no mm-hmm. Uber for that, right? Mm-hmm. There's not a right. bus that I'm hopping on. I've got a rental. So herein lies again where I think some of the problem of, and this is getting political into a in a philosophical and a moral question, but that's where I talk about this employer relationship part of it. He's got to get town to town because of the WWE. Are they not being a little more proactive in there, how are you getting to Omaha? So when I'm in the military, there were plenty of times I was responsible to get to my duty location on a TDY, a temporary duty assignment. But we worked out very well beforehand how the hell I was getting there, how it was getting paid for, and what the details were. Like that mm-hmm. was already a plan put in place, and it worked pretty damn well. And they knew how to find out if something went wrong, and I knew who to get a hold of if something went wrong. Like... WWE is not the military, but you guys are operating under a similar troop-like mentality here. So, yes, he's responsible for his own actions, but a lot of his actions are due in part to keep aiding the circus that is going on here. Am I wrong? Yeah, and I agree. And you would think, you know, let's not kid ourselves. uh, WWE is not this nonprofit startup (laughs) in a, you know, a village that has... 10 employees like they're a multi-billion dollar corporation so i don't know if maybe we can going forward if if hopefully this doesn't happen again but if it does with another wrestler right it happens with fondango i'm just making up a name but you know another wrestler maybe instituting some type of hey at the end of the night you can you know uh take your rental from kansas city to omaha or at one in the morning this bus is going to 
leave from, you know, wherever mm. we're at and go to Omaha, you can get on this bus and then, you know, that's what we're doing, right? You can, there's other modes of transportations they can institute that would get people who need a release physically and mentally from WWE, uh, you know, some type of way to get yeah. to the next town safely. So we had, when I was in the military too, it was in the United States Air Force, we had on every base there was an Airman Against Drunk Driving program, right? And and you were forced to, on your keychain, carry a little key tag, kind of similar to your you know little grocery rewards club size key tag. You know what I'm talking about here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Very similar to that. And it had the phone number for that. And it was a no questions asked, right? Like, hey, I need a ride home. Okay, somebody's going to come get you. Right. There's no reason they can't to a certain extent. Right. At some point, everybody's left town. If you're the last guy and we've all left town, sorry, sleep it off. We'll, you know, punish you later for missing the next show. Right. But mm-hmm. we'd rather do that than explain to the cops and your family why you're dead. You know, so they could definitely do some small things, whereas he's responsible for his own actions. OK, man. But a lot of his actions are for you. So you can help him be a little more responsible for his own actions. How about that? The Spanish announce table. Tom, I'm out of toilet paper. And okay, I know a great place I can buy toilet paper. They'll ship it right to your house. It's called Amazon.com. Is that a startup? You know, they've been around for a little bit. I think they're gaining a good share of the market, and that's why we want to support them now. Gotcha. Um, don't listen to any past things we've said about them. They're great. But what we would like you to do, though, is because they offer this program, is don't go directly to Amazon.com. And I'm speaking to you, the listeners here. Uh, You go to SpanishAnnounceTable.net, right? We're the only people they do this for. We're the only people they do this Mm -hmm. for. You go to Mm SpanishAnnounceTable.net. We've got an Amazon link at the top of the page. You click on that. It will take you to Amazon.com. And you will pay the same price as you would if you went there directly. The thing is, Jeff Bezos will give us some of that cashola right that money 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 right those greenbacks and dibiase backed dollars right and we need that so we can keep the show free for you you've had some experience with this yes yeah you know i would definitely encourage all people listening uh to support that uh young startup company amazon and while you do it uh support this juggernaut of a podcast as we grow bigger and better and better each and every week uh, so let us, the Spanish announce table army, give a little rub to the small guy, Amazon, and go there by first going to our website, clicking on their link. So now you're exposed to this young startup company. And then, like Tim said, buy some toilet paper, maybe buy, maybe buy some tennis shoes. Hey, even get a T-shirt. And if you're not into all that stuff, you know, maybe you can just get a personal item for you yourself. But before you go to that young startup company, Visit this juggernaut of a website, SpanishAnnounceTable.net. You go to the biggest, baddest podcast recorded on a Wednesday night website, and you click on that link, and then that is what you do to get us some kickback so that we can show that little startup that we have a voice. The Spanish Announce Table. We discussed this when Alistair Black was doing his whole lock on my door, pick a fight with me gimmick, and it turned out to be Cesaro. We were like, well, where does this go? Because if he, either guy, if Black can't lose, because then what? But if Black wins, it's Cesaro. Then what? Does he just go back to his room and he's like, somebody else knock on my door? And I'll be damned if that isn't exactly what happened. 
Yeah, I think it was cool to have a Black versus Cesaro match for a, this could potentially be five stars, look at these technicians, and blah, 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 blah. I think that's why they did the match, right? Okay, cool. And then, like you said, what does he do, go back to his room? Well, that's exactly what he did. This time, however, I like that Sami Zayn just cut a promo and was like, you know why he keeps going to the back? It's because he's upset and he hates his life, just like these fans, bunch of losers. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Some sense needs to be beat into him, and I'm going to be the one that does it. That'd be fucking cool if Sami Zayn ever won a match and was had some credibility behind his promos. He won't win this one either. So, you know, win in Rome, I guess, or an apple a day keeps the doctor away, whatever stupid fucking phrase you want to say, but we just know what's going to happen. It's fucking dumb. It is dumb. Like, we just know what's going to happen here. And again, there's no even attempt that I see to put a twist on this version of it. If it was like, Hey, I begged somebody for a fight or beg somebody for a fight. And what you gave me was Cesaro. That's the guy who finally begged to fight. Okay. Now I've got to clarify what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let me get somebody who has held a world title before or something, right? Like you at least clarify it. Right. So at least I'm going, oh, okay, cool somebody did knock on the door but he was like that's your fucking dude no i'm going Mm -hmm. back until we find the right dude that at least would be linear and i could follow along this is just a restart and how am i supposed to expect i don't know the name on the roster that would make me sit up and go oh holy shit that I believe you're actually going to have knock on that door, right? And here we go. Mm -hmm. It was Sami Zayn, who's not even knocking on the door. So, like, I just, yeah, it wasn't Roman Reigns. It wasn't Lesnar, right? Like, it's it's a mid-tier guy who then again didn't even knock on the fucking door. So now and he's never won a match. Yeah. It wasn't yeah, and that's the other thing too. It's not a guy who's like, "Oh, so Alistair Black won's competition and he hates himself just like these fans." Well, I'm on a 10 fight win streak or, you know, I'm this champion. He thinks he can just come here and demand fights. Uh, I'll challenge him to a fight and show him that there's a pecking order, right? Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a loser. And I love Sami Zayn. I'm not saying he's a loser, but the character is a loser. Right. Might as, might as well have him fucking wrestle Zack Ryder. Now, the match is going to be better, but you get what I'm saying? Like, just have him fight Shelton Benjamin. Mm-hmm. It just, who cares? Because we know Sami Zayn is a loser. You've told us. You've told us Sami Zayn's a loser. He, It's so bad that fucking uh, what culture has identified it, and they have a Sami Zayn uh, like tally mark for every match he's lost. And it's uh, like 10 already. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking pathetic. The Spanish announce table. All right, Tom, I got you here. I need you to put your thinking cap on. Okay. Will do. I'm Vince yes, sir. McMahon. What I'm can I help with? I'm Vince McMahon and I'm coming to you. I'm going to say, Tom, Tom, I got reports that uh, <laughs> this Becky Natty thing, right? is not going over well, right? We want Becky to maintain the fire of being the hot thing that everybody was behind because she was the anti-hero, but it's not coming across right. She's just coming across as conceited and kind of, you know, arrogant and kind of annoying almost at this point. How do you fix that and get her back on track? Well, I actually like the story that they're telling. I think it would hit uh, better with audiences in America if she was American, Right. Mm, I I think the Irish 
Canadian feud is just kind of made up, which, you know, hey, look, so was the American Canadian thing when Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin were going back and forth, right? We never had beef with them, uh, but it was a hot storyline. And I think they're trying to play that into this where Becky Lynch is claiming that Canada loves her, that she's going in there for her fans in Canada, you know, disregarding uh, that Natty's from that home, you know, that country and all of that stuff. Uh, one really cool aspect of, of Monday night that I liked is Fit Finley was teaching Natty how to get out of the disarmor, you know, before the Monday night raw started, Becky goes to the ring, you know, beats up Natty, but in the process pushes fit Finley and says, you're a traitor. And I like that, right? Cause He's Irish. He should be helping Becky, not Natty. Uh, so I like that aspect of this storyline. I also like that Natty's a little bit uh, more relatable than just the stereotypical fat friend that she's been for 15 years. And for new listeners, I'm not commenting on her actual appearance. I'm saying her attitude. So let me just clarify. Yeah, that. there's a phenomenon in America known as the fat friend where you could be the skinnier person, but be labeled as the fat friend in the aspect of you're the, the turd in the punch bowl of the fun, as it were. Right. You're always the complimentary one of, oh, my God, everything. Yes. You're almost like a yes man. And then also the turd in the punch bowl. So it's like a one two punch for uh, what we're referring to as the fat friend. Um, so I like that she's getting rid of that. Uh, aspect of it um, of her character than she's had in previous months uh, but I, I just th think it's not uh, being conveyed to the audience at home because they don't care that Irish and Canadian people are having a beef because they're in you know Wisconsin or Georgia like they don't fucking care about that or Missouri you know they don't fucking care about that feud uh, so that's why I think it's not doing as well I would have, if you're asking me, if Vince McMahon's asking me, I would have them play up the friendship. And I would bring up, because they still want to talk about Ronda, I would go back to that aspect of this feud of Becky Lynch saying to Natty and putting her foot on the gas, saying, in the biggest match of my career, you were working actively to help my opposition beat me. I don't respect you for that. That's the story to me is in the biggest moment of the, you know, of my life, professionally speaking, uh, I had all this, you know, chips were stacked up against me. The McMahons didn't want me in that match. Charlotte didn't want me in the match. Rhonda was undefeated and no one thought I had a chance. And to add on to all of that, my best friend, or, you know, you could say that, right? We don't know if they were really our best friends, but you could say my best friend Natty was even helping Rhonda. So Natty, I don't respect you. Like I don't respect any of them. And then that's where Natty can be like, you ungrateful bitch. All the stuff I did for you when you couldn't do a, you know, drop toll hold in Japan and all the stuff that you didn't know when you got to WWE that I helped you book your hotels and all that. And now you come to me saying that I'm the enemy. You're the ungrateful bitch. And that's the story. That's what I think should be the story. Just that right there. I think that's great, and I think that would be better than, you know, that would push this beyond what we're getting, right, where I I don't think this is bad. I just think I'm, 
I'm left with like, okay, but but what else? Like, why? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's where I keep feeling. I think that would help push it over the edge, kind of the stuff you described. But I think the cherry on top, the final thing that we need that would absolutely take this to the tippy top here is somebody's got to deliver a Kansas City cunt punt. Am I right? (laughs) It would be cool. Yes, it would be cool. Um, I think Becky can do it. I think... The arrogance thing that I, I'm starting to read online and that you had mentioned, I think that plays into her character. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin was never a baby face. I mean, he was, but you know what I mean? Like he interrupted matches and gave stunners to people because it was 745 okay. and that's what he fucking wanted to do. Yeah, I agree so, with that. But like to me, I don't know that she's pulling it off like Stone Cold does did and does well stone cold did and does because stone cold really felt that shit i yeah. feel like becky thinks this is what the cool guy says well now we're getting down a rabbit hole of the becky character right i think yeah i think you know they say the best uh wrestler you can be is yourself turned up to 11 i still think becky lynch is the quinoa uh, bowl in the back, yeah. um, puns, uh, hugging girls because they have the Mattel doll of Becky Lynch. I don't honestly think she's the man. The snarky badass. Shit on, right. Yeah, she's not that. I don't feel that way. I think maybe Charlotte there was is a probably moment, that more than she is. Right. Now, that's not to say there wasn't, you know, a moment in time where Becky was that. Right. Like, I do think it was genuine tweets during the Charlotte Rhonda Becky feud where she was saying, like, these people don't want me and they can, you know, fuck off and I'll show them that they can fuck off. But now she's got that spot. And I think to me, we haven't seen it on Raw, but I've just seen different aspects of her, you know, because she's doing more media you're starting to see the puns come out just a little bit. And you're starting to see uh, the little fun jokes just a little bit. And it's because she got the thing that she was wanting, right? Like, if you're upset, 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 man, you're a badass to these people around you. But then when you get what you want, well, then what's next, right? And I think that's where her character is stalling is because, you know, Stone Cold was that guy a million percent because he had some personal issues and you know, not to say that's the person you should be, but that was him. And that hit home with people at home because they're like, this guy is genuine. And I just don't think for being honest with ourselves, I don't think Becky is the man. The Spanish announce table. I'm not even necessarily concerned with the individual characters of this storyline because I, I just don't know that we really care about either and don't see a whole lot of value long term in either at this point. But I kind of want to address the issue conceptually in pro wrestling. And I'm going to talk about Bailey and Ember Moon, right? And their upcoming match for the SmackDown women's title in that they went with this whole, oh, these guys are, you know, guys colloquially these ladies are wrestling at SummerSlam. Let's make them become a tag team this week and face some random folks. This is so overdone in wrestling, is it not? How, yeah, I feel I like there's a myriad it. of things we could have done otherwise to to create conflict here, right? Yeah, I don't I I hate it. I I'm so over the 
uh, bitter rivals now must become one team yeah. for a victory over one week. them. Yeah. Yeah. And for one week, right. We're not going to be a yeah. team that goes after the tag team championships like Cesaro uh, and Sheamus. It's just, yeah, this isn't RKO. This thing. isn't or rated RKO. This is. Yeah. yeah. It it's, it's so tired. You know, they, they already addressed, but they're still doing it, but they've already addressed the, automatic rematches mm-hmm. they need to address this this is the next thing on the on the uh checklist to get rid of because yeah i just don't care it's so when formulaic. they do that yes and, and here's the other thing it's ingrained in pro wrestling it's not a wwe thing yeah. go look at the last AEW um uh, special event. They had Sean Spears and MJF mm-hmm. on the same team. And then they had the whole middle finger off thing that they did. And it's like, stop doing this. Now, if they're forced to team because of an evil commissioner or, you know, general manager. Okay. That's still pretty tired, but at least it could be like, Hey, you baby faces. I don't like that. You know, you guys are facing each other. Uh, this week, I think uh, as a punishment, I'm going to team you guys up. All right. Right. Like that's tired, but it makes sense because it's the evil uh, power, you know, uh, authority figure. But this like we're just teaming up because it's Tuesday. And last week, you know, we said we're going to do a match. It, uh, whatever, man. Whatever. It's so played out. It, you know, it's as played out as. Hogan must must pose or Shane must jump. The Spanish announce table. All in all, I don't think it was a bad week of wrestling. There were some definite nuggets that I appreciated. I see some attempts, but I'm getting worried that WWE may be blind to its own incompetencies at this point to even make the fixes. And maybe it just takes time to get over that. I don't know, man, but uh, you know, uh, it's not the worst I've seen, I guess. I liked it. I actually did like it. I know there was a lot of criticisms, but you know, it's always just because well, I want something for me. We well, criticize, and it's also, yeah. I want something for me, right? Like something can be good. And I would just say like, for me, I would prefer that to be in red or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Right. So that's just me saying what I want to say. Uh, overall though, raw was a very good episode. Uh, Smackdown was a very good episode that had a horrible ending, but it was a very good episode. Um, and so, yeah, it was good. The other thing that we didn't mention, but that I thought was really fun, uh, those uh, YouTube uh, episodes of uh, the road to all out, uh, the Sean Spears, uh, Cody Rhodes match being signed, thought it was spectacular. It's probably my favorite promo, even though it's a six minute, you know, special video kind of thing. Uh, that was my favorite promo of the week. Uh, really good. I would suggest you guys uh, checking that out if you can. Um but yeah, I thought it was a good week. I thought there was a lot of uh, fun stuff that you can tune me into next week, right? It wasn't one of those raw reunions where it was like, oh, they just all stood around. It it had some things. I don't. I mean, yeah, it had some things, but I don't know that I agree that it's good. There's just no gripping. There isn't the real cliffhangers, and I don't mean like the oh, who pushed something on Roman, right? Like, there's no. Well, fuck, where does this go next? I know that may be a little harder to say than do in pro wrestling, but, like, I feel like we used to have some of that. I may be rose-colored glasses also, but, like, there's just no 
theme to anything. They could take an entirely left turn in every one of these storylines, and it really wouldn't be that bizarre because there just is no rhyme or reason to hardly any of it. And that's where I'm starting to... I feel like I could have completely 100% missed all of this this week. I could have not written reviews. I could have not watched all of this. I could have just read a blurb on Twitter about a few of these things and basically understood what the fuck happened. And that's a problem to me. I just don't know where they go from this. Well, we talked off air, but I feel the reason, the core reason of why the storyline specifically are kind of watered down is because that's on purpose. No story is the focal point cliffhanger. Oh my God, what happens next week? Everything gets pushed to 70%. So when everything gets pushed to 70%, you say, well, why didn't this happen? Or you could have done that. And you know, X, Y, and Z. And that's what you get with a 70% storyline when, you know, Austin McMahon, and I know that's the greatest feud of all time. So that's, you know, a high bar to talk about, but Austin McMahon was the number one storyline in WWF, right? DX was great, but it wasn't number one. The Rock was great, but he wasn't number one. It was Vince McMahon and Stone Cold. And we all knew that. And that's what we tuned in for. And it helped that the mid-card stuff was fun or believable, right? The Val Venuses, Ken Shamrocks of the world, that, that helped. But we were tuning in for Stone Cold versus The Rock. Or on WCW, NWO versus Sting. It was cool that you had some other things, but it was NWO and Sting, pseudo Goldberg. But that was WCW and WWF. Like they had two storylines. And at the height of their industry or at their companies, there was two storylines. And in today's, you know, pro wrestling, what storyline's number one? If I put a gun to your head and tell me what's the number one storyline in WWE this week, what would you say? Uh, the number one storyline in WWE this week. I mean, I feel like they would tell you it's Seth and Brock. I mean, I guess Kevin Owens might be the number one, but I, but uh, what about Roman having something like, uh, that's what I'm saying. So nothing was the, Oh my God. It was just all like, we can all argue over what's the number one story. And that's what sucks is because there's nothing that's, yeah. You have to have a thing for us to tune into. Yeah, if and I tell the, you guys, if I tell my parents why you've got to watch wrestling this week, there isn't something. Right. Well, and even like you go to, you know, you equate this to uh, fights. I can tell you the main event is Conor McGregor, right? The storyline is Conor McGregor versus Habib for the championship. And they have a blood feud, right? Like I can tell someone that. In WWE, I can just say, like, well, that one's kind of the focal point, but then there's another one. And then, like, there's nothing that's taking the bull by the horns and running with it. It's all pushed to the middle. But it was a good week of wrestling. The Spanish announce table.